Welcome back to Ranugi Diaries. This is Santosh Kumar, your host. Today we have a person who has done something that not many people in this planet have done. He's run in seven continents. That's right. He's a physician, he's a writer, an entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sripati Ketu. Welcome to the show, doctor. Should I call you doctor or should I call it Sripati? Just call me Sripati. Okay. Welcome to yeah. the show, Sripati. Thank you, Santos. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. And so you have a great story. Uh, and I've been reading your blogs as well. And uh, you're a great writer as well. So you have a nice play for writing. Uh, so you're you. one of those multi-talented doctors. <laughs> I don't know about multi-talented, but I like to try different things. That's great. So uh, to start with, uh, maybe I'll let you maybe do a quick introduction of uh, yourself and then we'll jump in. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a physician by profession. I, I grew up in a small town in India, in Andhra Pradesh. And then I worked uh, after medical school in India. I briefly worked in uh, Caribbean as emergency physician. And then I moved to uh, United States about 25 years ago. I moved all around uh, the U.S. Uh, during my training and working. Uh, I worked in Illinois, and then I worked at Brown University where I did my training. I was assistant professor there, and then I moved to Dallas about uh, 13 years ago. Yeah. Awesome. Great. And you're also um, a runner. And, uh, and we're here to talk about that and the journeys that you are on sure. with running. So how did it all start? I mean, what got you started uh, running? So, um, you know, I was not a runner to begin with and I never was a runner until very, uh, you know, sort of late compared to a lot of people who pick up running in when they're teenagers or in their 20s. I was always playing basketball or tennis, you know, on and off over the years. But as I got older, especially once I turned into my 40s, you know, it has, work has gotten busier with my calls and all that as a physician. Uh, my work is very busy. So playing tennis is always a hassle because you need to find a partner. You need to find the court that is empty. You know, everything has to be perfect. The lighting, temperature, uh, wind, you know, so many things. So I tried for a few years, but, you know, I was doing on and off. It, it was not going anywhere. And I also played basketball. So I tried that for a few years. You know, uh, I used to go to local park and used to play with some of the teenagers who were there and playing half court. But, you know, you can't compete with teenagers who are, you know, college or high school basketball players. After I got crushed by a teenager when I was trying to take a rebound, he was 6'5 and, you know, uh, fell on me and got crushed and, uh, knocked out of, uh, knocked the breath out of me. So after that, I thought, okay, let, it's not going to work out. So I need to change my career in terms of uh, keeping myself physically active. So I started going to the gym, but you know, um, I, I used to do elliptical or uh, treadmill or stairmaster, go to some classes, but it was also getting routine and monotonous. So one day I thought, okay, you know, uh, let me just, the weather is nice. I already got dressed up. So, you know, instead of going to the gym and doing the same thing, let me just run around the block. So I started running and I could not even finish half mile. 
I was totally out of breath. I was surprised that I could not even run half mile, you know, although I was, you know, going to the gym and doing, you know, things here and there. Uh, that's when I thought, okay, this is something that's very interesting. Although I kept myself physically active, I was, uh, you know, uh, when it came to running, what I discovered was it was, you know, I was nothing, you know, uh, my endurance was uh, uh, nothing. So that's when I, I thought, okay, let me at least finish one mile without taking a break. That's how it started. Then I thought, okay, when I started running maybe two miles, I thought, okay, maybe I should sign up for a 5K. When the 5K came, only reason I signed up for 5K was not because I wanted to prove that I can do 5K. Usually 5Ks, they don't give you a medal. But this one happened to be a race. It's Irving Marathon. Uh, happened to be a race where they give you a medal for any race. Usually it's 10K and above you get a medal. 5K, not all the races give you a medal. But this one happens to be a nice medal. So I signed up just because I wanted to have a medal. So when I signed up and when I got closer to uh, 5K, I was thinking, you know, I can do three miles. Uh, maybe I should sign up for 10K. So as I was getting closer, I called them and they said, yeah, you can pay the difference and change your registration. That's how I ran 10K. And after that, I didn't run for a year because I thought, okay, I was done. Uh, you know, running was not my thing. But after a year, I was, you know, I was talking to friends. I told them, yeah, I did a 10K a year, year and a half ago. They said, you know, why don't we do this half marathon? I was not very serious. But anyway, you know, I got pushed into half marathon because, you know, everybody is running. I thought, okay, I already did one. So I have some experience. So I ran half marathon and then nine months I didn't do anything. And then I reached a, a plateau where I was not doing anything. I thought, okay. Running may be the best exercise. After running two races and running in between, I discovered that running has so many advantages not many physical activities have. You know, um, I, maybe I should uh, pursue it a little bit further. That's when I joined a group. I think joining a group changed the whole, uh, you know, dynamic of uh, running because until that point, I used to run on a trail or maybe with a friend or something. But when I decided to run my first marathon about four years ago, I thought, you know, I should join a group. I joined a group. And one thing that surprised me was I was starting this group run at 5.30 and it was 45 minutes away from me or 35 minutes away from me. So I used to get up at 4.30 Saturday morning to get there and run. That surprised me. I was thinking, okay, if I could do this, I can run a marathon because you know, usually Friday nights are always, you know, you, you, you stay up late and getting up uh, at 4.30 was not easy. When I started doing that, I, I found that there is so much power in joining a group. I think it makes you accountable. It keeps you motivated. You keep looking forward to that group run and, you know, talking to people and sharing all the experiences. So joining the group changed the whole thing. That's how I started my marathon journey. Long story, but, you know, I have to give you a background how I started. Nice and fascinating. It's always fascinating to hear about stories of how someone gets started. There used to be a, a, a joke that I used to hear from another friend about midlife crisis and running. You know, how is that people who are cross 40 run, start running marathons? And they said, you know, so this friend of mine said, you know, it is cheaper than a Porsche and a girlfriend. That, that's absolutely <laughs> correct. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Actually, you know, I just published a, a blog yesterday on uh, medium.com 
And one of the things I talked about is because I hear from people, what, why are you running now? You know, is it midlife crisis? Are you bored and all that? That's what I told them. You know, if I'm so bored, I would have bought a, a Corvette and done with it. Why would I, you know, run five, six days a week, get up at 6 a.m. and run or 100 degree temperature and all that. But anyway, so I agree. I mean, there are a lot of other things we could have done for midlife crisis. This, this is not top of my list to begin with, but yeah. this is most fun. Absolutely. And yeah. getting, getting high on endorphins is uh, oh, yeah. also, it's also risk, uh, lower on risk. <laughs> Absolutely. It's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now getting into the, your seven continents journey. And, and I, I was reading about, I think number of human beings that have done run on seven continents is like, uh, what, less than 5,000 people or something? Yeah, it's, uh, yes, I think uh, probably, yeah, less than that. Less than that. Uh, yeah, so there is the Seven Continents Club. It's organized by, uh, it's uh, or compiled by a, a company called Marathon Tours. They, they came up with the Seven Continents Club uh, uh, concept and you need to register and you need to show, you know, once you are, finish all seven continents, you need to send them the evidence that you have done that, your timing and all that then they will let you be part of the seven continents club. Yeah. The, the, there are not that many in that club. Yeah. Wait, so let's, so we started about, we, you, you were just uh, beginning to talk about this brainwave that popped up when you were running Berlin. And by the way, I read your medium, uh, your blog on media uh, on uh, Berlin marathon and you had Eluid Kipchoge ahead of you. And, yes. uh, Eluid Kipchoge is my favorite marathon oh, yes. athlete. Oh yeah, he's, he's like you know, he's a super a superhuman. So yeah. uh, and it's just so nice to know that you know Kipchoge is in front of you. I mean, far far from you, but he was supposed to have a world record that year. You know what happened that year? Uh, you know, I, I wrote on that blog too the night before it rained. So there was a lot of water and puddles and it was not ideal condition at all. Berlin is the easiest marathon and Kipchoge, everybody was talking about it, that he will definitely break uh, the world marathon record of uh, doing marathon, full marathon in less than two hours. And he was on track to do that. They had pacers. And what happened was two things, I mean, three things worked against him. Uh, I, one was rain and all that. Uh, so the course was not ideal. Second thing was the pacers who were there, usually, you know, world elite runners, especially if they want to uh, do a world record, they have pacers. After 12 or 13 miles, his pacer gave up on him because he was running so fast, he could not run ahead of him to be a pacer. So he dropped out, but Kipchoge kept running. And then last mile or two, this young guy from Kenya, uh, and he was running so close to Kipchoge. He was actually, Kipchoge was getting a little bit irritated because he was running so close to him. He doesn't need to run that close because, you know, only two people are ahead and everybody else was probably a mile behind them because they were so fast. Because he was running so close to him, that got him distracted. So he ended up still finishing it, but he finished it in two minutes and uh, I mean, two hours and one minute, some seconds. 
the next Berlin marathon, he, he broke the world record. Anyway, so yeah, that, that was a nice experience. I, I knew all that after I came back from uh, the marathon when I was watching the Berlin marathon in, uh, on my TV in, uh, in the hotel, I saw what happened with Kipchoge and why you know, he struggled a little bit in the end. That was nice, yeah. good experience. Yeah, and it's nice to be running in the same air that Kipchoge ran, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's such a yeah. Such a that was awesome. Athlete. Yes. So t- tell us about. Okay, you had this brainwave. Then what did you do? You said thirteen months. You finished all the seven all continents. The, so I guess yeah. you started with Europe, and America was already done. North America right, was America done. was done. Berlin was done. So including Berlin, I, I did it in thirteen months. So um, uh, next, you know, I, I uh, signed up for uh, Brazil, for South America. I registered for Kuala Lumpur, for Asia. Um, at that time, I was still thinking about Australia, which one to do. Uh, and I registered. Africa was a little bit harder because there was no other marathon. There were not that many marathons. So Africa, I, I had to struggle a little bit, do some research. One or two best rated, uh, you know, marathons, uh, uh, they were all behind me. They, they already passed and they won't uh, fit my timeline. I found Morocco and it was not bad. I mean, it needed a little bit more logistical, uh, you know, planning and all that. So actually I did uh, Morocco next and then I, Brazil was going to be that June. Uh, but what happened was Brazil last minute, I, I flew in. One thing I do with all these marathons was uh, I fly in the day before. I don't want to spend a lot of time, although I like to do sightseeing and all that, but I didn't want to spend a lot of time there. Then you, the jet lag will set in and then it's hard for you to, uh, you know, run and all that. So, um, so um, I, Morocco, I just landed the day before. Same thing I was going to do for Brazil, but the flight got canceled after I flew into Atlanta. They said, you know, because of the weather. So I planned everything. All of a sudden, Brazil dropped out of my schedule. Now I had to scramble and uh, look for another marathon. Luckily, I found Buenos Aires. That was a very nice, pleasant marathon. Good course, great weather. So uh, I loved it. Uh, Morocco was, was okay. Um, you know, I talked about it in my blog too, but uh, it was interesting marathon. That was good. Uh, and then I did, uh, after that, I did uh, 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 Asia. Asia, actually, I did Asia before um, uh, Buenos Aires. Asia, Kuala Lumpur was one of the hardest marathons for different reasons. Um, I had food poisoning the night before. I landed the night before and I picked up my packet and then I had bad food poisoning. I got so dehydrated. I almost started dropping that marathon. It was that bad. But then I thought, okay, I have to do this because everything was planned and I, I flew in almost 24 hours to be there to do this marathon. Uh, I had finished it. So anyway, I, I finished that. Then I did the Buenos Aires, then Melbourne and then Antarctica. So, and uh, was there a particular reason you said you want to do this in 13 months? I mean, was it just somebody, did you get some advice on this or? No, when I looked at it, um, Again, you know, I wanted to keep myself motivated. I want to do it quickly. Um, so there, there was no rush to do it. I have people, you know, I met people who have done it over a period of five years, uh, two years. And I, run a, I met a guy 
he did only seven marathons in his life and he did it in seven continents. I met him in Antarctica. I asked him, what is your marathon number? He said, Antarctica, this is going to be my seventh one. So uh, yeah, this guy is from Norway, young guy, soccer player, and he is physically so good, especially soccer players. Soccer players. The, running a marathon for them was easy. So I, he ran in Norway and he heard about seven continents. He started running and uh, Antarctica was his seventh marathon. So uh, I've met people who have done seven continents in 12 months. I've met people who have done in five months. You know, it just worked out. In between in that 13 months, I ran other races, but uh, that's how it worked out. I wanted to do it quickly. But when it come to Antarctica, uh, uh, what happened was this Marathon Tours is the main company that organizes this Antarctic Marathon. When I started planning, when I looked at, into Antarctica Marathon, I didn't realize that there'll be so many people interested to go there. There was a waiting list. I was waitlisted when I wanted to run for 2019. There was no opening. 2020, there was no opening. I was waitlisted for 2021. So I was disappointed. I thought, okay, I, all right, let me finish six marathons, wait until 2021. One of the reasons I wanted to rush was I wanted to make sure that if I have a goal, I want to finish it because who knows, running can be unpredictable. What if I get injured or if I, if I cannot do it for any reason, health reason or something. So that's why, you know, at least if I finish that, after that, if I can run, that's great. If not, at least, you know, I have something to, uh, you know, I have an achievement I have, uh, I'll, I'll be proud of. So that's why I wanted to do it in a rush. But when I saw this Antarctica two-year wait, I thought, okay, let me just run other marathons. And then I came across another company and I was able to do it in 2019. There was no waiting list. It's a much smaller company. So uh, the, I went with that company and I finished in 2019. As per my schedule, it worked out much better. Great. So we will come to Antarctica and, and obviously we have a lot of questions. But on the other marathons, did you uh, go to some website to figure out the logistics or did you have to go to how did you find out the dates for each of these marathons? Was there one particular website you went or how did you No, I mean, there, there are several websites. Uh, uh, Runner's World is a good resource in general. Uh, for races also, there are a few websites, findmymarathon.com and all that. Uh, there are two or three very good websites. So I did go through those websites, but I started out with continents first. So for Asia, uh, what month will work for me and what are the races in that month so when i searched for example asia i knew that i can do it between march and april so i started looking what are the races and also i wanted to run a marathon in each continent not some very small marathon that may not be well coordinated well organized and all that i wanted to be one of the best if not the best in that continent that's how i planned and uh, uh, Asia Kuala Lumpur is not the best marathon. There are, you know, obviously Tokyo is there. Uh, um, Singapore is good. Uh, Kuala Lumpur is not bad. That's how it worked out. So each continent, I started with continent, then months, and then see which one worked out. And then I started uh, planning and uh, I read reviews about the marathon, where to stay, uh, hotel, how far from the start line and finish line, uh, all those. And also you need to account for the, time difference when you land and, uh, you know, pick up the packet and all that. So. 
And when you were in each of these cities, um, were, were you concerned? Were you, was there any anxiety about uh, how your body will take this change? Yeah. So that, that is always there, you know, uh, um, your jet lag and you, you travel 24 hours and next day you're running 26 miles. Uh, not everyone, every trip was 24 hours. I'm just giving an example, especially, you know, Asia, uh, uh, Australia, uh, they were all more than 24, 25 hours. So uh, that is one. And also the food, what you eat and, you know, what kind of problems you're going to have. So, you know, you need to have some safety net with all those. So uh, I planned ahead way to stay, what to eat, uh, all that. So uh, th that is very important. You, you don't want to travel this for months in advance, go that far and then not be able to do it because, you know, because of something like, you know, food poisoning in Asia or uh, something else in some other continent. Yeah. So you're also a gastroenterologist. Uh, so is there yeah. anything you uh, recommend as a way to um, mitigate your stomach getting upset when you travel this much? Because sometimes when I go to India, for example, I am doubly careful because my stomach somehow behaves a lot more sensitive than when I'm eating in America. So uh, sure. is there anything particular you do? Uh, yeah. Do? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, three things, water, ice and food. You know, you don't want to drink water uh, like tap water or, you know, order anything with ice because those are the two ways people can get into bad water and uh, all the waterborne illness and uh, that can ruin your trip. So those are the two things you need to be careful. And second is food. As long as it's cooked and you know hot food, not salads and all that. So I definitely avoid. Even if I go to you know uh, more advanced countries, uh, I think those are the things you still need to be careful. Um, so uh, yeah, those are the three things uh, we need to be careful about. And in terms of weather, uh, because you ran in thirteen months in different continents, where seasons would have been in different points: summer, winter, fall, whatever. Uh, and you were training mostly in Texas. Uh, yeah. How did that uh, affect you? Did you compensate? Did you have any strategy for that? I know that that was something that I was not used to because you know I I can't get thirty degree weather. I am living in Texas, so I can't train for thirty degree weather. I can train for one hundred and ten if I want to, but not thirty degree weather. And one of the things which I was surprised, you know, Berlin was very cold. I you know I was thinking. Uh, Berlin in October cannot be that bad. But that morning was so wet and cold. And Morocco, same thing. Morocco was even colder. I was very surprised. I landed the night before. It was so cold. I never expected that North Africa can be that cold. Uh, you know, I checked the temperature and all that. But still, you know, when they say 40 degrees to 60 degrees, you are hoping that it will be 60 degrees in the morning. But I didn't expect that it's going to be 38 a uh, little less than the lowest temperature that was forecasted. So when I looked for the next day temperature, it showed that it was 36 or 37. I was thinking, is it even correct? You know, how can it be 36 degrees in Africa? And I was not dressed or I didn't plan for that kind of temperature. So all of a sudden at midnight, 12 o'clock, I'm supposed to get up at five o'clock. At 12 o'clock, I was looking at the temperature. Believe it or not, being a physician, I was even looking at you know, uh, health effects of running in uh, temperatures in 30s. I was looking at frostbite. I was looking at 
what happens to your circulation and all that. It's crazy. But, you know, in the middle of the night, I was looking at PubMed.gov to look at all the studies. You know, will it be even worth doing? Anyway, the point was that was surprise. So you need to be prepared for surprises. So I had to put two socks, that extra uh, socks that I got as gloves, and I, I had to wear layers. I had to, you know, put something to cover my face with all the, you know, cold wind. Uh, after a couple of hours, the temperature was not that bad, but morning was very cold. So, and then uh, the other extreme was uh, Kuala Lumpur. It was 85 degrees. It was so humid. It was unbelievable. It will take the breath out of you. It was that humid. Um, uh, and so that you cannot prepare for that kind of humidity. I mean, in Texas, you are used to the temperature, but when you have 85 degrees, you may not run a marathon, even if you're staying at home. Mm -hmm. If you're doing training run, you try to get up and try to run when, you know, it was 75, 80. So those are the things. Some of it you can prepare. Some of it you cannot. You just have to deal with it when you land there. Yeah, just like life. Yes, exactly. Prepared for, be prepared for surprises. Yeah. That makes it okay. interesting though. That makes it interesting, absolutely. So come, coming to the, the, the Antarctica Marathon, which is fascinating. Not many human beings get to go there, uh, very few. And you've gone and run a marathon there. So that's even, even more uh, extraordinary. So tell us about it. How, much, how was it to run in, in Antarctica? It was, I mean, definitely that is the most unique and most memorable marathon trips I had or most unique experiences I had in my life in general uh, on many different fronts, you know, just meeting so many hardcore runners for someone to get there to do a, a marathon. You need to be so motivated. It is expensive to do it. It is hard to do it. So much planning and all that. You must be very dedicated and a hardcore runner to be there. So you meet so many people, uh, from all walks of life, all countries, from you know Europe, uh, South America, Asia, uh, very well accomplished runners. When you go there, I feel like I was nothing compared to all these well accomplished runners who have done like 250 marathons, 300 marathons, all over the world. Uh, you know uh, their timing and all that. So it was a great immersion experience. I think running six hours there was good we'll talk about that but the whole experience of being with that group of uh, elite runners for eight days was the most unique experiences uh, that i've had because you know flying into antarctica so just to give you background like i said there are two companies who organize this marathon i went with the company that takes you in a chartered flight the other choice was going in a uh, this old russian cruise ship That'll take you a week to get there, run marathon, and get back for a week. So two weeks of time, and there was two years of waiting time to do that marathon. I was waitlisted for that marathon. Luckily, I, I didn't make it in a way uh, that worked out good because I was hesitant going through this Drake's Passage. That you know, it takes about twenty-four hours to go through the, this Drake's Passage, and I heard it's so bad, especially if you have seasickness. Everybody gets sick, keep throwing up. I didn't want to throw up for 24 hours, uh, you know, go there, run a marathon and come back and keep throwing up until you come back. 
So when I heard about this other alternative, I signed up for it. Uh, you know, there was not that much waiting. I had to wait four or five months or so. So because there is unpredictability with marathon uh, or uh, run, uh, flying into Antarctica, we were asked to come in four days in advance because depending on the weather, they, you need to get clearance before you fly in. So we flew into Punta Arenas, Chile. That's Patagonia region of uh, uh, Chile, beautiful area. And that's where this Torres del Paine uh, park is there, very famous for hikers and you know uh, rock climbers and all that. Uh, beautiful place. So we went there about four days before. So you get to meet all these people, uh, go out uh, uh, for lunch with them, dinner, and talk about their experiences and run uh, like a, a practice run in the morning um, before you go to Antarctica. So uh, exchanging ideas, experiences was very good. And then uh, we went to Antarctica. The lucky thing was we landed, I think, on Saturday and we were supposed to fly on Tuesday. And the weather guards were perfect. They were, you know, uh, we uh, landed on the day we planned to land. The, the previous few years, they had to wait two or three days before they got clearance because of the weather. But for us, we landed on the day that we planned. Although a little bit late, we by the time we started running, I think it was 3 or 4 p.m. Uh, but as we were asked to uh, get in our running gear uh, at the hotel in Punta Reyes, we, we were taken to the airport in the running gear. So as soon as we landed within an hour, they set up everything and we started running. Uh, so that's how it started. And uh, so the experience of meeting runners was one unique experience. And running in Antarctica was totally different experience. Just the landscape. I mean, it's not beautiful. It's not like all greenery. It, it feels like you're on a Mars or moon. Uh, you know, there is no greenery, it's all rocks and ice and uh, snow, and uh, there is no paved road. I'm not a big trail runner. So that was a little bit of a difference that I had to adapt to that marathon, because I am always on the trail or paved uh, road. Uh, all my marathons until that point were just on a, a paved uh, road. And this one was rocky. And I had to be very careful because, you know, if you twist your ankle or you fall, you get injured, the whole thing will be uh, gone. So I was very careful. I took my time and there was no time limit. So uh, that was one good thing. It was very hilly course. It's back, uh, back and, uh, you know, out and back uh, where you make uh, loops uh, around about three miles distance because you, you can't run 26 miles on this uh, part of Antarctica, there are a lot of research stations on some restricted areas. So you can, you can run only in a small area, uh, but it was uh, be beautiful. I mean, it was one of the hardest. It took the longest of all my marathons, but I took my time, I enjoyed it. I took pictures with penguins. Uh, um, you know, I took pictures with other runners and um, it was so beautiful. And there was light until like 1 a.m. And so we finished, I finished my marathon around 9.30 at 10. It was so cold. I had three layers. You know, usually in marathons, you have two layers. If it is a uh, place like New York or some of the cold marathons. And after a mile, you take it, uh, take one layer off and uh, throw it away. 
and they usually collect it and give it to people who need it. Uh, but this marathon, I had all three layers and I had to keep all three layers throughout the marathon. I had two layers uh, uh, down with my pants, two pants and, you know, everything covered. Uh, but as soon as I finished my marathon, I was so cold. We, we had like a small tent. It was almost like a um, bounce house for birthdays. It was just, uh, uh, you know, it was unstable and you get in there and they, they have some warmed uh, soup and all that you eat. And uh, then you go change quickly into your uh, tent and then came out. And even at 12 o'clock, there were runners uh, still running. There was one old person, he was 72. He ran, I think, 300 marathons in his life. Antarctica was his first, mar first Antarctica marathon. And he was the last one to finish. So last one mile, we walked with him. That was so nice. So we, we went around the area after we finished for a couple of hours, you know, because it, there was daylight. So we walked around, we talked, and we came back, and this runner was the last runner coming and his last loop, I think half mile or a mile, uh, we walked with him. That was so nice to, uh, you know, finish that uh, last mile of this last uh, runner uh, to cross the finish line. So that was a great experience. And then, you know, we probably went to bed around two o'clock and uh, 5.30, there was already noise. People, uh, you know, you're in a tent and there was falling snow. All that sound, all the excitement, you can't sleep. I slept maybe two hours. It was so cold. Even with my sleeping bag and all that, it's very cold. And um, so I got up and, you know, we started talking and all that. Uh, then we were, went around the island for a few hours. And then by 10 or 11 o'clock, we flew back to Punta Arenas. And we stayed there for a couple of more days and uh, we ran another marathon there in Punta Arenas. Um, uh, for people who want to finish South America, that's how they, uh, I already finished my Buenos Aires, so I didn't need South America, but it was already there. So we did that and then uh, we came back. So wow. it was a great experience. I, I, yeah. Wow, that, that, is, that is so fascinating. And uh, how, so how cold was it? Was it uh, uh, mine? What temperatures do, does you it know, typically get to? It can get up to in the like early morning, one o'clock, it was uh, uh, five or 10. Um, with wind chill, it can be minus. Okay. So for people from New York and some of the other places who came from there and the guy from Norway, he said, you know, it was not that bad. So Antarctica is not the coldest place that a lot of people have been to. But with the wind and all that, it can be very cold. And staying in a tent and, you know, running in that temperature and that terrain uh, makes it difficult. But it's not the coldest place, uh, you know, compared to other places in the world. I mean, uh, there is a guy from Russia, a guy from Tor uh, Norway, even a guy from Minnesota. Uh, they, they've said that, you know, we have seen this temperature. For us, this is nothing. But for me, it was really bad. <laughs> Terrific. So uh, what's next for you? Uh, are you looking at ultras, uh, looking at um, all the distances? Um, yeah, I'm looking into two things. One is I want to finish all six major marathons, hmm. um, uh, Abbott majors. So I finished Berlin, I finished Boston, New York, and Chicago. 
I have London and uh, Tokyo planned. Tokyo was supposed to be on March 1st and then uh, uh, London was in April. Because of COVID, both got canceled. Tokyo was canceled uh, and uh, London is postponed to October. I don't know if it's going to happen October 18th as of now. So I want to finish all those six major marathons. That is my next goal. And I was on track to finish it in April, but it didn't happen. But hopefully in the next year or so, I will do that. And uh, I'm in, uh, looking into ultras too. Um, I might do a 50 miler uh, if I don't get injured. I, I don't want to push myself too hard. I want to go an extra mile, but uh, I want to see if I want to go 24 extra miles or not. Okay. Uh, but you know, you always need to have goals uh, to keep yourself motivated. But uh, yeah, that that's in the list. Yeah, that that's great. Terrific. No, that 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 is so. And in fact, when you were, uh, you know, I think the way you were telling us the your experience in Antarctica, I almost was with you there. It was very visual. It was very nice. <laughs> very well. Uh, very well. Um, you know, shared that whole experience. Great. So um, I have, um, for, for the fun's sake, I have some rapid fire questions that I wanted to ask you, you know, just sure. quick questions and more, more for fun. So uh, what's your favorite time to run? Early morning, 530. Hmm. What's your favorite chew? Favorite chew? chew? I don't chew anything. Uh, oh, chew. Uh, sorry. Okay. Um, uh, New Balance Fresh Foam Wongo. Oh. That works the best for me. I've tried Saucony and other things, but New Balance works for me. Okay. What's your favorite post-race uh, post treat? Ice cream. Ice cream. I was thinking you might say biryani. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That, yes. <laughs> What's the best training gift you ever received or would like to receive? A new shoe. I think, you know, uh, I, I have several shoes. Uh, I, there is never enough shoes. So uh, maybe I'll get this uh, fancy um, uh, Nike 2% vapor fly or something uh, uh, that Kipchoge wears. Uh, you know, <laughs> that'll be my best uh, gift if somebody is uh, planning to give me a gift. I think your wife will listen to the show for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so. <laughs> And what's your favorite marathon till date, other than Antarctica? Um, it's, it's hard to pick one because everyone is unique. I, I, if I have to pick one, it's going to be New York. Mm. Just the scale of the marathon, the crowds and the, the crowd support, the coordination, and the, you go through five boroughs and uh, uh, the experience is so unique and going through Central Park in the end, that is, that is my favorite so far. Perfect. Great. Uh, that was a, uh, I love this conversation. It was so vivid for me. I, I don't have to go to Antarctica, I think, now that I've already been there for your <laughs> description. Uh, is there anything, before we close, is there anything you want to say as a um, final word on the show? So, you know, I, I say running, I, I wrote this in my uh, Medium blog too. Running is probably one of the best activities that has so many benefits combined in one simple activity. 
I say simple, I mean, when you run it, it doesn't feel like simple, but the benefits that you're going to achieve, it's, uh, I, I say, you know, running is my best meditation, it's my best stress buster, it's my conflict resolver, uh, my problem solver, and great exercise. So how can you go wrong with uh, running? And it doesn't need any preparation. All you need is uh, shoes and you get out and run. You don't need a helmet. You don't need a bicycle. You don't need a racket or a ball or a court. Uh, that is the best activities with uh, the least preparation. So try it. If you have never tried it, you know, try run. I think it'll, it'll definitely benefit you in so many ways. Great. Hey, that was a, a fantastic uh, conversation. And uh, uh, I do wish that you're able to complete your uh, Abbott majors and, you know, the travel ban comes up and we all can get back into racing. I'll also share your contacts in the show notes. I think you're on Twitter sure. and uh, uh, you also are a writer on Medium. So we'll share that as well. So if people want to reach you, they can reach you and find Absolutely. out more about how if they want to run the seven continents. Thank you so much, Santosh. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed sharing my experiences. Thank you, Sipati. Have a right. good weekend. You too. Bye. -bye. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.